Good morning, everyone. Did you love that trip through the Bible or what? Woo! That was awesome. I love that. Beautiful. Is there anyone here for the first time this morning? Anybody? One! Woohoo! <laughs> the reason I asked that, I wanted you to know that I'm not the pastor's wife. She's on vacation with the pastor. So Connie Gill will be back next week, and I pray you come back next week. We welcome you, and everybody else, a warm welcome to you. We're going to continue through the book of Nehemiah. Oh, I forgot I could take this silly thing off, huh? <laughs> I'm still getting used to this. You know, I, I'm not quite used to this yet. Okay, let's start with a word of prayer. Father, how awesome to see all the books of the Bible, Lord, and all the things that you are. Oh my goodness, we could go on and on and on about your glory and your mercy and your love and your grace toward us, Lord. We're just so thankful to be called your children, Lord. I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would fill this place. I pray, Lord, that uh, we would be able just to put aside anything that happened this morning that, Lord, just wasn't pleasing to you. Could we just put that aside right now and we could just totally focus on your word and what you have to speak to us today. And so, Lord, that's my prayer for these women, that you would open up the, their heart of understanding, open their ears to hear the word of God, and that it would minister to them today. And, Father, we just thank you and praise you for this glorious day that you've given us. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're on uh, lesson number 18, Nehemiah chapter 12. And if you were not here last week, just a quick review of what Connie did. She did Nehemiah chapter 11 and just basically talked about uh, bringing the Jewish people back into the city now that the walls were done and the city was ready to be inhabited. There was only a few priests left. So they, what they did is they went out, all the people had moved out to some of the outer cities outside Jerusalem, and they went to all these cities and got the families of, of the Israelites, and they put 10 families to get together and they, I want to say rolled the dice because that's what it looks like, but they cast lots, and it kind of looks like our dice. I'm not sure what the number was, but that they would cast lots to see which family of those 10 families would be the one chosen to really make a sacrifice to go back and live in Jerusalem. So that's how they got the people back into Jerusalem now that everything was finished and ready to go. And Connie estimated probably was 9,000 plus people, including women and children. So that's how they populated the, uh, the holy city of Jerusalem. And she talked about us. What about us when we're uprooted? What, what, how, do, how do we respond? She said there were three things. How do we accept it? Do we trust the Lord? And how do we react? So that was chapter 11. Chapter 12, I'm calling the happy chapter. Because this chapter, it's so cool to read something finally that the people are where they're supposed to be in the holy city. They're rejoicing, they're shouting, they're singing, they're going back into temple. I mean, everything is in order. It's really a happy chapter. So the wall has been totally completed. They've dedicated the wall. There's a great celebration. And they're just thanking God for everything that he had done because they knew it was him that had done this. Verses 1 through 26 is again a lot of names that I would not attempt to even try to say. 
And it wouldn't mean much to you anyway, even though important to the Jewish people, but not important to us. So we're going to skip through those. We're going to start in verse 27. I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you the title. The title is Leaders, Dedication, and Celebration. Okay, verse 22, I'm sorry, verse 27 says, Now at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought out the Levites in all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the singing with symbols, to celebrate the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving and singing and cymbals and stringed instruments and harps. So what they did is they went and got all the Levites, because remember, there's still people living in the outer cities, because the Levites were the ones who were assigned to lead these singing choirs, because there's going to be singing choirs all around the wall. We're going to see that as we go through. So they went and got all the Levites, and the Levites are also the ones that take care of the temple as well, the things in the temples. Verses 28 through 42, again, a lot of names of the people that was the assignment of the choirs on the wall and those that were working in the temple to take care of the temple thing, so we won't go through that. But what I did want to show you is kind of give you an idea, and this is just, just a basic idea, of what that wall may have looked like. Because it's kind of hard for you and I to imagine. We're not used to walls, but in those days... The wall is what protected their city. So the wall was very important, and that's why the people left, because all the walls were in ruins. But God put his hand on Nehemiah, and this one man not only got the wall built again and got the people back in, organized it, got got them back in the temple, reading the law, worshiping God. I mean, it's amazing what one person can do. I, I look at this man and go, wow. Truly, the hand of God was upon him. So looking at this wall, just to give you an idea, they're they're just beginning. And the reason I know that is because I found out that this wall was 2.4 miles long. It was 39.37 feet high. So if you had six of these guys or seven of these guys that were maybe six foot tall, that's what it would be. Like seven of these guys, that's how high it was. It was 8.2 feet thick. Can you imagine that wall? The reason I want you to get this picture in your mind, because every now and then I run across scripture, and maybe you have too, where, where it really makes me laugh because God has a sense of humor. And this is one of those situations. I want you to think about that wall, how big this was, how massive this wall was. And I'm going to go back to chapter 4. And do you remember the two bad guys, Sanballat and Tobiah? You remember they were were always trying to trick Nehemiah, trying to trap him to keep him from building the wall because they didn't want the wall built. So in chapter 4, I want to show you the conversation between Sanballat and Tobiah. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Don't you love that? Talk about egg on the face, right? You know, I wonder what they were doing when the wall was done and they were celebrating. I bet they were hiding their heads. And and plus, they did it in front of all these guys. So, 
You see, God does have a sense of humor, doesn't he? I love that. I love that whenever that happens. That made me laugh. Okay, verse 43 says, Many, uh, many sacrifices were offered on that joyous day, for God had given the people cause for great joy. The women and children also participated in the celebration, and the joy of the people of Jerusalem could be heard far away. Boy, you talk about a celebration and singing praises. They, they had organized these, they're called Thanksgiving choirs, and put them all around that wall. Okay, and there was all kinds of people, the priests, everybody around the wall, and they were singing praises to God. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? How awesome. I mean, it reminds me of that's what heaven's going to be like. You know, all that singing to the Lord, and it could be heard far away. I don't know how many miles would be, be heard far, far away. And again, Sanballat and Tobiah are probably hiding their face by now, going, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Verse 44, I'm just going to summarize for you. Again, it was assignment of people to take care of the storehouse, the offerings, the first fruits, and the tithes. Verse 45, both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. So just to explain to you what this purification means, it was a, a ritual purification to protect God's sanctuary, the tabernacle and the tabernacle from contamination. That's found in Leviticus 15.31. It was a sacred function through ritual bathing to mark off God's space as holy and showed reference to the divine presence. Now, where this purification law started, if you saw it, said it was command of uh, David and Solomon, his son. I don't know if you remember in the scriptures when... David and Bathsheba had sinned, and she was pregnant, and she had a son, and that son died. He was alive for seven days. And the seven days that he was alive, King David just, he wouldn't eat, he fasted, he wouldn't talk to anybody. He just sobbed and prayed and prayed and prayed for the Lord to let this child live. But the Lord took the child after seven days. And on that seventh day, and his servants couldn't understand what happened, on that seventh day, David got up, he bathed, he, he did this purification, that's where this purification is, he came, he anointed himself, and he immediately went to the temple and began to pray and praise God, because he's, and the servants are going, we don't understand, while the child was alive, you wouldn't eat, you wouldn't talk, you just sobbed and prayed, but now that he died, you're rejoicing and you cleaned up and everything. And so David told them, because I know I will see him again. Isn't that an amazing story? So that's where that purification ritual came from. It came, came from David. The last two verses are verses 46 through 47. It says, the custom of having choir directors to lead the choirs in hymns of praise and thanksgiving to God began long ago in the days of David and Asaph. So now in the days of Jerusalem, I had this Jerubbabel and Nehemiah, me and Connie, we do great on names. You know? All Israel brought a daily supply of food for the singers, the gatekeepers, and the Levites. The Levites, in turn, gave a portion of what they received to the priests, the descendants of Aaron. So you see, they took care of the workers. They made sure that they had food and they had plenty of supplies. So, so that's the end of our chapter but we're not done. You can't go yet, okay? That's the end of uh, chapter 12. But just think about all that happened. You know, uh, if you've been with us from the beginning of Nehemiah, 
what an amazing book. If you haven't, go back and read it because you will see how, how God directed everything to get his city rebuilt again. And that's why the people are praising him because they knew it wasn't just Nehemiah, that it was God that was doing it. So then the question I have for us today, what has all that got to do with you and me? That's a pretty good question, huh? Well, let's go back to our title, Leaders, Dedication, and Celebration. I want to break those down and see how these three topics pertain to you and me. Okay, let's look at the first one, leaders. The biblical definition of a leader is leadership is the act of influencing or serving others out of Christ's interest in their lives so they accomplish God's purposes for and through them. So maybe you're thinking, well, leadership doesn't pertain to me because I'm not in leadership. But that's not what it's saying, is it? It's saying it's the act of influencing or serving others. So that's all of us. We're all leaders in one way or another. Mom, you, you, you influence your children, don't you? That makes you a leader. Those of you in the workplace, you influence your coworkers, your boss, that makes you a leader. If you're a student, you're, you're uh, influencing the other students around you, the teachers, the professors, that makes you a leader. So that's all of us. We are all leaders in one way or other because we're ambassadors for Christ. Remember, we are his feet and his mouth. You are the ones that are going to show the world that Jesus is alive, that Jesus is real. He's not just a fable, and he is coming back again, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So knowing the fact that, yes, we're all leaders, so what are some of the requirements? I took an exhortation uh, that Paul did to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13 through 14, it says, Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. Okay, let's break those down. The first one is watch in verse 13. Jesus is speaking, and when he speaks, I listen, right? Okay, so let's listen to what, what Jesus says about watching. He says, keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Oh, are you going to say amen to that? Uh, you know, my spirit is so willing, but my body is so weak. It's terrible. So, but, but there's a way to handle this, because he's, he's not done with us left. We're going to watch and pray. We're not going to give in to temptation, because it's the Holy Spirit within us that keeps us from that temptation. He's the one that throws up those red flags and says, don't go there. Don't watch that. Don't, um, you know, go to an R-rated movie. He, he's the one that puts up all those red flags. And if we allow the Holy Spirit to direct our lives and ask him as one of my prayers in the morning, Lord, lead me. I don't want to do anything that is not pleasing to you today. I want to please you in everything I do. The temptations are going to come. We, and it's a choice, right? goes back to choice. It's your choice. You can choose to let the temptation overtake you, or you can choose to say, no, in the name of Jesus, I'm a child of the living God, and I do not accept it. And that's what I do. That's my little prayer that I shoot up to the Lord. I just simply don't accept it. If you don't accept it, what's the enemy going to do? He's going to go away. Will he come back? Of course. 
Again, you're going to have to tell him no. So what I'm saying to you, loved ones, that there is a way. Yes, this, our bodies are weak. Our flesh is weak. But the spirit is willing. The spirit is willing to help you in any situation. So keep the spirit strong. How do we do that? Of course, you know the three things we need in our Christian walk. Prayer, reading the word of God, and fellowship. I love, I'm so happy we're back together. We may not be able to sing, but just being with you girls is just, it's amazing. I love it. So I'm so happy we're back together. Jesus goes on to give us a warning. He says, beware of false teachers who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. So what is he talking about? He's talking about false teachers. Do we have false teachers in our world today? Oh my goodness, they're everywhere. Turn on the television. How do we know, how do we recognize that they're false teachers? Because, you know, they, they look good, they sound good, but is everything they say 100% according to the word of God? This is how I find out about some of these teachers, is I, I simply Google, is so-and-so a false teacher? And you'll get all these things about them. Now, honestly, you know, we can't trust everything the internet says. Again, this is where the Holy Spirit comes in and, and he's going to discern for you, is what I'm reading true? Is this, you know, check it out. In other words, check out mainly their theology, okay? That's where you're going to find out about these people. You'll be amazed what you can, you can find out. So, you know, just be careful. It's a warning. Jesus is giving us a warning. And then Jesus gives us hope. In Matthew 24, 42, he says, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Right? Don't forget that, girls. He could come today before we leave this place. Because we, Calvary Chapel, we all believe in pre-trib. That means that we believe that the next thing that will happen is the rapture of the church. And that's when Jesus is coming to take us out. Don't lose hope. These things that are going on in the world... You know, it's just a sign of the times of what's going on. And, you know, it was interesting to me, too, that um, knowing about heaven, uh, even King David in, in the Psalms knew about heaven. In Psalm uh, 27, 13 through 14, he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I know we don't like that word wait. We just, uh, Mary and I were just talking about that word wait. Nobody likes waiting. But you know, it's God's timing, loved ones. We need to wait for God's timing. God's timing is perfect. He knows exactly what you need when you need it. We need to wait and not lose hope. Then the second um, uh, part of our, our scripture was stand fast in the faith. Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You all know that one, right? The next one was be brave, be strong. Joshua 1, 9. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't you love that? The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Don't forget that one. That's an important one. Then the last thing said was, let all that you do be done with love. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says, 
Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So this is not your love because your love is fickle. My love is fickle, isn't it? Depends upon what, how that person talks to me or how that person looks at me is whether I like them or not. I'm talking about agape. That's God's love. That's the kind of love you and I have to have for people to see Jesus. Because that love, that agape love, there's no strings attached, okay? I love you just the way you are. I don't care how you look. I don't care what you say. I love you just the way you are. That's God's love. Isn't that what he did for you and me? He, it's amazing to me that he loved me just the way I was and took me the way I was with all this stuff, all this baggage that I had, right? Same with you guys. We all have that story, right? Our testimony. Think about that. If God loved you just the way you are, then in turn, shouldn't you love others just the way they are? And that's something we have to learn, but I'm telling you, that's what people are going to respond to when you talk about Jesus. That's what people, when they see how, how you love them, how you genuinely care about them, that's what's going to make a difference in their life. The next title we had was dedication. The definition of dedication is committed to a task or purpose. When you are dedicated to something, you are devoted to a cause or an idea. De dedication. Of course, uh, you know, the, the Israelites dedicated the wall to the Lord, but um, you and I have a different type of dedication. Psalm, whoops, I'm sorry. Psalm 119, um, 38 says, establish your word to your servant who is devoted to fearing you. And that word establish is the word uh, confirm. Confirm your word to me. And I love that God will confirm his truth to us. For instance, if I have something really big that I'm praying about, something I'm going to do or buy or whatever, I like to go to the scriptures and ask the Lord to show me, is this right or not? And I, I tell you, he will confirm to you one way or the other. It's somewhere in the scriptures. Keep reading until you find it. The answer could be no, but you, you'll find it. It's there in the scriptures. So I love that word establish. Confirm your word to me. Devoted, we need to, totally devoted to the Lord. You know, that's our reverence to him. Romans 12, uh, 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, sisters, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So how do we do that? How do you and I present our bodies as a living sacrifice? I honestly don't understand that, what that means. So uh, let, let's think about that for a minute. I, it's, it's what we do with our bodies. In other words, how we respond to situations uh, how we act uh, around other people. In other words, what kind of a picture are you giving them? Are you giving them a picture where they say, wow, there's something different about that girl? You know, I, I, I want to know what it is that's different about her. There's something different. That's what we want the world to see. 
And, and how we respond to really is what's in our hearts, isn't it? I'm always asking the Lord, cleanse my heart. I hate this reprobate mind that I have. And I'm always asking him to cleanse me because I don't want to think those things. I, I don't even want to go there. You know what I'm saying? Some of those thoughts come in. It's like, wow, where did that come from? And so I'm always asking the Lord to cleanse me. So it's those things that are in our heart that our bodies are going, what's in the heart is what's, what we're going to display. And what's in our mind, what our thoughts are. And really, what is our priorities? Is Jesus your priority, number one? Is he first on your list? That shows who we are devoted to, right? It's our reasonable service when I, I yeah, for sure, Lord, it is our reasonable service. If Jesus died and gave his life for you and me, then should we not live our life for him? It's really that simple, isn't it? Be totally committed to him. The next title was uh, Celebrate. To celebrate is to engage in a joyous and often social activity or event, usually in honor of some specific event or achievement. And this word is a verb. In other words, it's an action word. So celebrate is something that's going to have action in it. Now, does that mean we can party? Is that what that means? To celebrate, we can go party? Well, here's the definition of party, and I'll let you make up your own mind. A party is a gathering of people who have been invited by a host for the purpose of socializing. Sounds pretty good. Conversation, I'm okay with that. Recreation, or is part of a festival of other commemoration or special occasion. A party will typically feature food and beverages. Uh-oh, that's where we get into trouble, beverages. And often music and dancing and other forms of entertainment. So that's why we are not going to party. We are going to celebrate. We should celebrate the fact that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, right? We should celebrate the fact that we know if we were in a car accident going home today, we know where we'll go immediately, right? We know we have a reservation in heaven, and we know we will live for eternity. That I, I can't even wrap my mind around eternity because our life here is, is so minute compared to eternity. Eternity is forever. It'll never end. And, and unbelievers don't have that, loved ones. You and I have the answer for them. You and I have the answer, and his name is Jesus. And if they will just accept him as their Lord and Savior, they can have eternity as well. You have the answers, girls. We need to tell people about Jesus, especially in these days. These are the last days. I'm truly convinced we're in our, our last days. And I know people have been saying that for years, and I'm probably wrong. But I like to think we're in the last days, and I like to think Jesus could come in any minute. Okay, so the, uh, when we talked about, let's just summarize basically what we talked about. We talked about leaders. That means influencing others for Jesus. We know that Nehemiah was an amazing leader to organize the rebuilding of the wall and get all the people back uh, into the city, worshiping and all that in 52 days. Absolutely amazing. You and I can influence others simply by loving them with God's love, agape. Dedications, the Israelites, they rededicated themselves to the Lord, didn't they? They came back and they were repented and they were so sorry because they hadn't been following the law or doing anything. So they rededicated themselves of keeping the law and worshiping. 
And I'm just thinking, when I, when I thought, thought about this dedication, I thought, maybe, Lord, there's something in my life that I haven't been doing that I need to rededicate to you. And I think that that's a good prayer for each of us. Maybe when you go home, you might think about that. Lord, is there something in my life that I really need to rededicate? In other words, get back to doing maybe something. It's so easy to, to get off the road, so to speak, you know, and, and to kind of get stagnant, you know, in reading the word or worshiping the Lord. So just a question that I would like you to think about when you go home. Is there something, Lord, that you want me to rededicate to you? And then celebration, you know, everyone was giving praise, worship to the Lord for all he had done. And, you know, we celebrate every time we open up the word of God because his word is a praise within us. You know, that's why I love the Psalms so much. Just all that beautiful praise in, in the Psalms. And just looking at all the names uh, and titles of the different uh, books of the Bible today, that, that was praise. I mean, I was just praising the Lord in my heart for all those wonderful things. So praise comes in many different forms, doesn't it? So lastly, I want to I wanna say to you, um, this, the Lord really put this on my heart. Lord, I, Nehemiah, you know, it's a great book. It was wonderful. But we're here today, you and me. This is not, you know, thousands of years ago. We're here today. What do we do today? And I, I don't want you to leave here discouraged by anything. I don't want you to leave here without hope in your heart. Because, loved ones, you really need to think about this. And all the Bible scholars will tell you that the next thing that's going to happen is the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming back. Why do you think all this stuff is going on in our world? Do you think perhaps it's getting to the point that it's time for the Lord to return? When things get really, really bad out there, we're safe in here, I feel, out there. We go out in the world, okay? Think about this. The worse it gets, the closer it is to Jesus coming. Isn't it? Think about that. I'm telling you, what's happening is, is unprecedented. We've never been through anything in our lives like, like what's happening to us right now. Could be the very thing that ushers in the coming of the Lord. So I want you to, to go home with that thought in your heart. And I, I have this news uh, channel that I watch, and I love that the commentator, at the end of it, he always says, let not your heart be troubled. Here he just gave us a whole bunch of bad news. And he said, but let not your heart be troubled. And so I wanted to read that scripture to you because he's quoting from John 14. And I wanted to read that to you because I want to say the same thing to you girls today. Do not let what's going on in our world today trouble your hearts. Okay? There is a purpose. God's got this. He's in control of this virus. We were just talking this morning, you know, just by one of the things my friend and I were talking about, that, that just praying, Lord, you could zap this virus by, the, by your word. You could zap it as quick as it came, you know? But there's a reason that this is happening, loved ones. Jesus is coming, and I believe he's coming soon. Listen to what, what, it says, what he says in John 14, verses 1 through 3. I didn't get it up on the screen. I, this was an afterthought. Um, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Is that, a, is that wonderful? That's amazing. And I still have time, so I wanted to make sure that you don't leave here discouraged. You have hope in your heart about the Lord, Lord's coming. And then one other thing I wanted to share with you, and I'll close with this, but um, a couple of weeks ago I was driving, listening. I don't know what pastor it was, but Calvary Chapel pastor. And he was talking about uh, Solomon uh, when uh, they made Solomon the king. And God said to Solomon, what shall I give you? And Solomon said, give me an understanding heart that I may judge your people. And when I heard that, I went, wow, Lord, if you were to ask me, what do I want? If I had that choice, I would ask for peace. I would ask for peace all over the world. And then my next thought was, of course, that isn't going to happen until our Prince of Peace comes. We saw that Isaiah, right? The Prince of Peace. That's not going to happen until he comes. There's not going to be peace in this world, sweetheart. I mean, it's not going to get any better than it is. It's going to get worse. I'm, I'm sorry to say that, and I don't want to, you know, discourage you in any way. But you and I know, common sense tells you, it's not going to, things don't get better. They generally get worse. And um, the worse it gets, the closer it is to his coming. I, I just want you to remember that. So in thinking about this peace and the peace in the world and realizing that Jesus, our Prince of Peace, is the only one that could give us peace, I thought about this devotional that I had written, and I wrote this about three years ago, and I read it again. I went, wow, this kind of really pertains to today, so I wanted to share that with you, and then I'll close with this. It's, it's titled, Peace, Sweet Peace. Nations are rising against nations, people dying for false gods and false religion. Riots and protests abound with false accusations, no respect for government, and no love for our nation. The lies of the enemy, the world will so easily embrace. Violence abounds and we see pain and hatred on so many a face. The, the hearts of many have waxed cold, no regard for God, no respect. The words of the righteous are marked and ridiculed. This generation says we are not politically correct. Oh Lord, how we need your peace, sweet peace. The world is filled with destruction. Lives and families are scattered in horror. The word of God spoke of a time like this. It would be as the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. Children of God, we can make a difference. The word of God has the answer they need. It's Jesus Christ and his righteousness that will set them free. Oh, Lord, how we need your peace, sweet peace. We pray for the eyes and ears of many to be opened and to know the price you paid. You love the world so much, Lord Jesus, you gave your life for the unsaved. We watch and wait patiently as we listen for that final trumpet sound. In a twinkling of an eye, we will be caught up with him in the air. We are heaven bound. Loved ones, let not the things of this world cause you to fear. The passing of each day brings the coming of our Lord ever so near. Oh, Lord, how we need your peace, sweet peace. Thank you, Lord, that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Our sins are forgiven, and Lord Jesus, it was you that paid the ultimate price. Our hearts will continue to sing songs of praise as we bow in obedience at your feet. 
We will not faint or lose hope because Jesus, you have given us your peace, sweet peace. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you saved us, Lord. And, and I just pray for my sisters right here today. Father, let them not, let not their hearts be troubled, Lord, but believe that your day is coming quickly and we need to talk to those loved ones that don't know you, our friends that don't know you, Lord. Time is short. We don't want anybody to be left behind and neither do you, Father. So, Lord, I ask in the name of Jesus, uh, for myself, for, for my sister, that you give us the boldness to speak your word. You would give us boldness to tell people about Jesus, that the, day is com- the days are coming, they're coming to an end. We need Jesus. We need you, Lord. And so I pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, you would just comfort my sisters right now, watch over them as they go home, give them peace, give them rest. Father, I thank you. I praise you for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.